Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. We're here with Tim Fiore as the chair of the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. He's taking over for Brad Holcomb on the manufacturing report on business that we have broadcast on the first business day of every month. Today it happens to be a special show that we will do on a Thursday. And welcome to the show, Tim, uh, for your first time uh, giving the report on business for manufacturing. All right, great. Uh, so uh, thanks and good morning, everyone. Thanks, Lou, and thanks, Tim, for having me. And I want to thank Brad for his many years of uh, really great service and uh, strong analysis leading the, uh, the business survey committee. Uh, I want to try to give as accurate a picture as possible based on the inputs that I get from my fellow supply managers. So with that, this is my first uh, report for the month of May, and uh, we have a strong month. The PMI is closed at 54.9, which was up from last month's 54.8, slight increase. Uh, more importantly, the sub-elements, the five sub-elements that make up the PMI, the first one, new orders, was up two points to 59.5, a really strong number. Uh, employment was up 1.5 points to 53.5 from 52, another strong number. And our raw material inventories was up uh, 0.5 to 51.5, which was a good uh, good increase. Those were all positive to the PMI. Uh, they were offset by production being down 1.5 points to 57.1, still from 58.6, which is still a very strong number for production. And our supplier deliveries were down 2 to 53.1, uh, as we had fewer reported supplier slower deliveries from suppliers. So that indicates that we have suppliers that are uh, able to keep up with demand better than they were the prior month. And uh, as a result of that, there's probably less stress on the supply chain. So out of the elements that make up the PMI, we had no large single swings this month. Uh, we did have a significant swing on the prices side and also on the customer inventory side, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, for me, there's, there's an overall move to uh, no change from the prior month. Uh, and we had more of our percent of participants report, same as last, last month, in uh, new orders, in production, employment, uh, deliveries, and inventories. So uh, things seem to be moving more towards a little bit of, of normality. I think, uh, you know, as far as uh, prices are concerned, we uh, went from 68 to 60, re still really a strong number, but if you look at the prices up and prices down uh, section, we have more in the prices down section this month than we've had in quite some time. We have steel both in the prices down and the prices up section, which means that it's kind of in transition. And if you recall, steel has been uh, generally in the prices up for the last uh, 12 or 13 months and it's now showing up in prices down so there's probably some relief coming in steel prices all forms all shapes which will uh, bleed itself through to PO prices and end item prices that uh, the manufacturers produce so uh, a lot of the stuff that's being noted on the price side is global commodity related uh, you can see that there's uh, copper noted in there steel although it is a global commodity it's not priced globally 
but uh, what affects one region does tend to affect the prices in others. Uh, there's some indication that uh, oil may be stabilizing in the 50-some-odd-dollar range, and natural gas has been down for quite some time. Uh, as I mentioned, copper is down in price, which is a real positive if you're if you're looking for lower prices. So, so for me, what that means is, as a, as a supply manager, I would feel much more comfortable in planning on laying in longer order streams, you know, placing longer-term agreements, uh, not feeling that prices are going to drop on me with a long-term agreement. And when you let uh, when you let more long-term agreements out, it provides more assurance of supply because suppliers then have a, a much more uh, assurance that they will be building a product for a period of time and will invest in the product and hire people and so on. So so I see uh, prices dropping a bit as being a positive from a supply chain manager standpoint. Uh, on the other hand, we also have uh, employment issues, a lot of comments from the, uh, the business council that they're having trouble filling factory worker positions. Uh, the, we're seeing more and more come in every month. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a question of uh, if they can fill the positions, it's when. And most likely there's quite a bit of overtime being spent right now to support the, the lack of available manpower. Uh, but uh, as, as you know, employment isn't something that can be turned, on, turned off and turned. It can't be turned on really quickly. And even turning it off uh, doesn't happen so quickly. So this is something that's going to have to uh, make its way through the manufacturing cycle here. And we'll probably see it as an issue for the next three or four months. So uh, overall, in summary here, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll wrap yeah, it up and we'll open up some questions. <clears throat> so you know, in summary, the order order inputs are strong. The uh, the backlog backlog number is still a very positive number. We uh, we saw production decrease for the month, but it's still very strong and growing at 57 plus or minus. Uh, supplier deliveries are improving. Prices are dropping. Uh, employment is growing. Uh, and the only issue I think I have, uh, based on the inputs that have come in, is that we have a customer inventory number that uh, is up four points, and uh, I, I would prefer to see that number as being too low and is moving now towards being uh, about right, uh, which means that we're building product for customer's inventory and it's not being consumed. So if that number continues to grow, uh, I would have uh, some concern about that. So with that, I'll open it up to uh, to Lou and Tim, and we'll, let's have a conversation. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, uh, Tim ISM, uh, just wanted to give a support to these five numbers that you uh, presented, uh, that All Metals and Forge Group, uh, which is our uh, other company, and we're supplying uh, steel forgings, the last two months, and particularly this past month of May, uh, also our numbers have gone up. Uh, our backlog has gone up. Our new orders have gone up. Uh, production is, is around the same place. So we're we're kind of right in the mix with uh, the ISM numbers. So uh, that's always a good thing. And it's actually for the last 25, 30 years, uh, our numbers always seem to follow your numbers. So we're consistent. Good. Tim, yeah, I uh, think it's uh, it's clearly been the case that uh, Lou has followed the ISM for some 40 years, and uh, it's been a kind of a very reassuring report, Tim, that comes out every month from ISM. 
I know that it is a, uh, a fairly steady report. It's very consistent with last month's. Um, you know, we always hear about a term they'll probably retire by the end of the year. Is please don't use it anymore. But are, are, did any of the respondents indicate that there were any headwinds that they were facing as they move uh, move through May? Well, yeah, I think there's still uh, there's still issues around uh, being able to get access to materials. Uh, I, I think there's still uh, there's supply chain issues around their ability to purchase the the types of stuff that they want at the time frames that they need it. But I think that's starting to relax a little bit. Uh, there were quite a few comments that popped up around labor, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, there are comments now coming in uh, around issues that affect the nation and how they might affect them. So, for instance, we have one comment here about uh, it came from the transportation equipment sector. Quote, economy is still strong, but the political climate can change things very quickly. And, you know, most likely that's a comment that's related to emissions issues that uh, are in the forefront of the news these days as to whether we stay in the uh, in the climate accord or not. And if you do uh, a little bit of research in this sector, you know, it's, it's automotive, it's uh, aircraft, it's trucks and things. And, you know, a lot of those suppliers are global in nature, and they have global products, global platforms. And they still have to meet emissions rules uh, for Europe, for instance. Europe and the U.S. have emissions rules that are very similar. So you have to deploy the technology to meet the European need, and now they won't be able, if, if things change compared to where they were, they won't be able to deploy that technology in the United States and command the, the, uh, the cost increases slash price increases that they would get. So, and it's going to make their job a lot more complicated. I think that's, uh, that's one of the issues that comes out. You can hear a lot of CEOs now talking about that, that uh, you know, we're going to continue to believe that we should stay in the climate accords independent of what the U.S. does uh, and so on and so on. Now, I think the other issue that kind of popped up here is the uh, the Canadian lumber tariff, the softwood tariff that was announced about a month ago, and you know we're already receiving comments about that. I, I don't think the supply managers know yet what it's going to mean to them, but clearly they're taking steps to address it. And as a minimum, it's going to mean increased cost, and as a maximum, it's going to mean uh, increased cost with a lack of available sources. Uh, uh, you know, a problem with getting supply. So. Uh, and, you know, these things, you can see what's going on and, you know, where the U.S. is going. And in many cases, the stuff bleeds over into business. And if it bleeds over into business, it ends up in manufacturing, and, and we hear about it. It, it seems as though that uh, the, uh, the implementation of tariffs on products, whether it's Canada or any other country, if we keep on doing that, adding tariffs, they will add tariffs, and we, the uh, citizenry, will wind up being the ones that actually are the ones who pay the taxes uh, or the tariffs. Uh, it seems almost foolhardy for us to be uh, playing this game. And, you know, I don't mean to get political because we try not to get political in this uh, on MTR, but it does seem as though that we can't talk about manufacturing anymore without talking something aspect of politics yeah good good comment Lou uh, you know, I, I agree so you know uh, you know we just came from the international ISM conference uh, last week and you know there's no doubt that supply managers are free traders we're, we're absolute believers in free trade 
you know, we also believe uh, that the, the, in order to have a healthy economy, you have to have strong employment with high-quality jobs and hopes for people to move up in their jobs so that there's ability. We've always had class mobility in this country, and we need to maintain that. But uh, I don't think that there's any supply managers that truly believe uh, in their heart that uh, putting up artificial barriers is going to benefit uh, themselves uh, or the country in the moderate to longer term. It, it might benefit their country in the short term, their company in the short term, uh, you know, like the things that are being discussed around steel. But longer term, it's not a benefit to the country. And uh, we, we believe in free and open competition. And in order to do that, you, you really do not want artificial barriers. So, uh, so we'll see. But there's a lot of talk because there's a lot of emotion. And, and you know, but I think you know, just Tim's perspective on this is there's a lot of smart people in uh, in Washington, and uh, they're listening to the business community, and uh, things will work themselves out without some major disaster occurring. Tim, you make a very interesting and important point on uh, any tariffs, particularly the Canadian lumber tariff. And obviously you have your pulse on or your thumb on the pulse of uh, uh, supply chain and purchasing. Um, This is the first I'm hearing about companies indicating that they want to stay in and may stay in the Paris Climate Accord, even if the country doesn't. Uh, I find that fascinating, Tim. Well, I mean, uh, the, the one that really jumps to mind, I mean, you know the General Electric is uh, definitely saying we should stay in. And uh, the other one that kind of jumps to mind is uh, uh, Daimler Chrysler Trucks, <clears throat> which uh, they own Freightliner, which is the biggest manufacturer in the United States, last I knew. So, and they're, they're, uh, they're strong advocates for, you know, the climate accords, and they said that they, you know, they have to continue anyway because they have to design – the systems for the U.S. the same as Europe, and and it's the same thing with Volvo. You know, Volvo uh, owns Mac and Volvo in the United States, and they're they're an international company based out of Sweden. So, uh, the only U.S. company that builds heavy-duty trucks is Packard. So, and and Navistar, but the, you know, a lot of it is international, and uh, it's a lot more economical for them to develop a technology that they can use in U- U.S. and Europe versus just using that technology in Europe and or the U.S. Uh, just as a side point, uh, yesterday, uh, Citibank also jumped in on this and uh, is requesting that we stay in the uh, Paris uh, Agreement. So there's going to be more and more as the days go by. But I think t- today he makes his announcement in the Rose Garden, so we'll see what kind of effect uh, corporations have uh, on the president's decision-making. Yeah, it, it, so it affects you know it affects quality of life. It affects our ability to strike deals around the world, and in the end, it affects business. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very true, Tim. As we wrap up this segment, because we just kind of brought you on to the show, and I didn't give you an opportunity to talk to our listeners about your background, I wonder if you could share a little bit about your background and how you ended up with uh, the Institute for Supply Management. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks. So, so I spent forty some odd years in the manufacturing sector. Uh, all of my career has been in supply. Uh, worked for, uh, spent most of my career with United Technologies, but also worked for 
many other really you know top companies, Rider Systems, Selenis, uh, Terex, ThyssenKrupp. So I had a uh, what a great career. Loved loved the function. I'm actually a second generation. My father uh, was a first, and I actually have a daughter who's a third generation supply management person, and. She's married to a guy who's a, a top-notch supply management person, too. So it's kind of in our blood. Um, as far as ISM is concerned, you know, the light kind of came on in the mid-'90s for me, um, first through uh, CAPS, CAPS activity, and then into ISM. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, the chair of the board of advisors for CAPS for a number of years and also to be on the board of directors for ISM for uh, a four-year stint, which uh, – very proud of and I was happy to serve. So, you know, I see ISM as the, it's the leading organization for supply managers around the world. It's got a great history, uh, great people uh, doing some really outstanding things going forward. And I was very happy when they asked me to take on the PMI after uh, Brad uh, decided to retire. So uh, it kind of fits in my wheelhouse. Uh, I've done a lot of global business throughout my career and uh, with a lot of multinational companies and have had to stay involved with uh, the economics around the regions and around the world. And this allows me to use my uh, skills to, to the extent that I can. So happy to be involved. Just, just remember, Tim, it's going to take a minimum of 42 shows before you get a yellow jacket. <laughs> <As Brad Hall. laughs> uh, you raised the bar, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we're always improving. <laughs> I like that. But, but you don't have to retire to actually get the jacket, so we'll be glad to award it uh, a couple of years down the road. Tim, we've enjoyed having you with us. We appreciate your insights, and we look forward to your report next month on the first business day of the month. Okay, Tim and Lou. Hey, thanks very much. I appreciate being on the phone and uh, glad to be able to pass out what uh, – Almost 400 supply managers believe is going on in, in their business uh, for the last month. So talk to you guys soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, thanks. And we've been speaking with Tim Fiore, who is uh, the chair of the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. They put out the Purchasing Managers Index or PMI report every month called the Manufacturing Report on Business a number that's at 54.9 this month, very strong, and we are looking good as we head into June. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, contact us at info at mfgtalkradio.com. We'll see you next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>